Hey, I'm Jim Black and honored to be here today with you. Take your Bible, if you would, and turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to talk about being faithful fathers. And let me say to all the fathers here, happy Father's Day. I understand not everybody is a father, and, uh, but all of us have a father somewhere. Some of them we hide well, but they still find us. And I'm just glad to see you today. And uh, God for my children. And I do have a, a son and two daughters and then a handful of grandchildren. And so I thank God for that. Very seldom did they ever call me father. Isn't that amazing? I think they should have though. Right reverend father would have worked just fine. But uh, most of the time it was pop or dad. Uh, I was laughing the other day. I worked with professional uh, racers and I had a uh, a guy that they always call me father because I'm a chaplain and they, because of their religious background, they think I'm a father. That's interesting. And one of the guys came up to me and saw on the internet that my son had twin girls and he congratulated me on the twin baby girls. And uh, the guy that calls me father said, I thought you were a father. I said, I am a father. I'm a father of a, of a father. And he, didn't, he couldn't get that for his life, you know. He couldn't figure out what in the world you're talking about. But what we find in the book of Thessalonians is some things that are important for us. As Paul gives us some principles, and he uses the term as a father. You know, in the Bible, we find God's truths and principles that we can live by. And maybe you're here today, you've come with your children, and you don't normally attend church, but you've come on this Father's Day. Maybe you've come with your mom and dad today because it's Father's Day, and, and here you are, and uh, you're a little uncomfortable. Uh, again, I will say this is a safe place, and we're glad that you're here. I understand. I, I didn't grow up in church, and so church was unique for me when I first started coming to church, and then when I trusted Christ uh, God changed my life and uh, changed my family's life. But as we look at Paul's life, Paul is on a missionary journey. In fact, he's traveling with a man by the name of Silas. Paul and Silas were put in prison in uh, Philippi, and that's where they were praising the Lord at midnight, and the doors of the jail opened up, and everybody was nervous. In fact, the, the, the turnkey thought they were going to all escape, and Paul warned them, don't hurt yourself and talked about the Lord. And the man said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the response was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved in your house. You know, going to heaven is a wonderful, wonderful gift. We'll talk about that today. In fact, maybe some of you in this room today will be a day when you trust Christ as your Savior. But let's look at these verses here in 1 Thessalonians, down in verse 1 of chapter 2. It says, for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not in deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as you were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which tries our hearts. For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, whom you might have been burdensome, even as the apostles of Christ. 
but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, being affectionately desirous of you. We were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. And then he goes on and he says, for you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, our laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Now here's our thought for today, basic thought, verse 11. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God who called us into his kingdom and glory. And for this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as of the truth, the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. You know, in this time in our life, I thank God for those in my life and my own father who have poured into me and helped me in life. You know, all of us need help. All of us need someone that can help us and guide us and direct us. And Paul, in his writing, he, he makes this application, and he says, as a father, as a father, he's working in their life. I understand not everyone has a father, but there are those that would take the role and say, I'm going to be this in this individual's life, and I'm going to help them and strengthen them and be this for them. Three things that Paul did as a father. First of all, we find that he exhorted them. And then we read that he comforted them. And then the Bible says he charged them. He says, as a father, he says, I have exhorted you. I have comforted you. I have charged you. The word exhort is a very interesting word. It means to embolden. It means to cheer. It means to give spirit of courage. It means to uh, help someone with advice and warning and help them in life, to help them to do what's right. You know, every one of us in our lives need uh, someone that can help us. Sometimes they exhort us to do something right, and we don't get it. I was reading behind a preacher one day, and he was talking about his, his brothers and sisters. They were all out, and they found a bunch of little skunks. Can you imagine? And they're all playing with skunks, and mom looked out and saw them all over something, thought maybe they were playing with rocks or doing something, and she walked out and saw a bunch of little baby skunks. And she yelled with exhortation, run, run. And every kid picked up a skunk and took off, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's what she had in mind, but that happens in life. Sometimes we exhort our children to do the right thing. And they do something, but not always exactly the way we thought that they should do it. And so we find this word exhort. If you were in connection class today, you were studying in our gospel project about the shipwreck in the book of Acts 27. And it's very interesting that Paul is on the ship and then he comes out and he exhorts all of those that are on board the ship. And he says this in Acts 27, verses 22 uh, and 23. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. But the ship, for there shall stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. You know, it's always nice 
when someone can stand with us and say it's going to be all right. Things are going to be fine. God is in control. Thus, Paul exhorted those on the ship that were living in terror because the ship was being wrecked uh, in their very presence. And we find that God was working in their lives. And Paul would exhort them. There's another word kind of like exhort. It's the word provoke. And now provoking can have good and bad implications in it. And we find that we are to provoke and we're to help people. In fact, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. As we consider each other, we, we provoke people to love and we provoke them to a life that is worthy of living uh, of good works. And we encourage them to do so. We, we provoke them. We, we inspire them by our lives. But there is the aspect of provoking in the wrong way. Notice in Colossians 3.21, it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You know, uh, I'm old enough to understand that sometimes we can be angry with our family. Sometimes our family can be angry with us. Sometimes, if we're not careful, they can become discouraged to the point of uh, just quitting and giving up. And God help us in our lives not to provoke our children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. Ephesians says, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of, of the Lord. As fathers, as God's working in our life, we have the responsibility of bringing up those that are around us, especially those that we are the fathers of. And Paul says, as a father, I have exhorted you. I am being used by God to help you. He says, not only have a, a, does a father exhort, but he says, a father comforts, a comforts, signifying giving of new strength, relief from distress and pain, the ability to give comfort and help in difficulty, putting uh, an arm around or a, a words of comfort, helping and lifting them up. I remember as a kid, I was showing my grandfather how fast I could run, and I was really scooting and booting, so fast that my head couldn't keep up with my legs. You ever done that? And down I go, and I just scraped up my arms, and, and I was trying not to cry because, after all, I was a big boy. And, I, and he says, come over here, and, and, and my, I hugged my grandfather. I never forget I could smell his little, I can almost smell his little shirt now. And he hugged me, and he says, boy, he said, let me see that. And he says, oh, he says, I remember one time when I fell down like that. He says, and, and I scratched up my, he says, and I just cried for a long time. And as soon as he said it was okay to cry, I just started crying. And then he, he held me and, and patted me, and he says, you know, that arm's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. And I kept crying. And then after a while, it's okay, that's enough crying. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how you can stop and start pretty easy? <laughs> okay. But there's something sweet about that comfort. As fathers have comforted, sometimes you take that role in someone's life, and you can comfort them and help them and encourage them. And with the comfort that God has comforted you, you comfort. In fact, look over in 2 Corinthians, I think it's on the screen. It says, whom comforts us in all our tribulation or trouble, that we may be able to comfort them also, uh, which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. Because God has comforted us, we can comfort other people. I was making some visits the other day in the ALF, and as I went down the certain hallway, 
they had just a bunch of people in, in the wheelchairs. And I went by a guy and I said, hey, buddy. And he reached out and I touched his hand. Well, that, that means now I've got to touch everybody's hand all the way. Hello, hello, how are you today? And, and some of them, get me out of here. And, and they stole my car. And, and what's your name? And uh, hey, how are you? Oh, boy, what am I got myself into? And I got down to the end and a little lady says, hey, she says, could you pray with me? Oh, I didn't know the woman. I said, I sure can. So I got real close to her, put my arm around her, and she reached up with her little arm. And I prayed a little prayer in her ear, and she said, thank you. I was a little nervous that I was going to have to go back and pray with everybody, you know. <laughs> I'm not that spiritual. And she said, thank you. And I said, you're welcome. And I went down the hall. You know, thank God for those that can put their arm around you and pray for you. For dad that can pray with you and pray for you in situations that you don't quite understand. And when, when the old people that, that ran the nation and flew the planes, when they're so helpless, that somebody can comfort them and help them as a father. Paul says, as a father, I comforted you. You know, when we're down, he comforts us. When we're hurting, he's there. When we're in need, he shows up. When we have uh, difficulties and troubles, there is something about this father that comes along and says, let me exhort you and let me comfort you. And not only does he exhort us and comfort us, but the Bible says he charges us. And that means he lays on them responsibility. He lays on them uh, care and custody, oversight and duty. You know, as, as we grow in life, it's just not a free run. We have responsibilities. I had chores when I was a kid and never got paid a thing. I'm not against it if you pay your kids, uh, but you're losing money in doing that, I'm telling you. <laughs> and uh, like one guy says, I was good for nothing, I'll tell you what. And, uh, and, and I had responsibilities, and, and my children had responsibilities. And God says, uh, we, I want you to learn duty and, and responsibility in your life. We're so quick to blame and, and blame everybody around us because uh, we have this problem and that problem. I know when I travel, uh, I usually get to places early. I don't know why. My dad, whenever we'd go somewhere, he'd always be early. And I said, why are we always early? He said, well, in case we have problems on the way. Like we have a flat tire or something. He never had a flat tire, but we're always early. And uh, I picked that up. I'm, I'm usually early if I'm going somewhere. If I'm not there early, I'm not coming. All right, so look, don't, don't hold your breath. And so we find responsibility. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. This is man's responsibility to walk with man, to walk with God and let God have his way in our life. Oh, there's so many of you that are afraid that if you give your life to God, no more fun, no more excitement, no more thrill. No, that's not true at all. God wants to give you his blessing and power in your life. In Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10, he says this, you are my witnesses, he says, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Paul says, as a father that exhorts, as a father that comforts, as a father that would charge you and give you responsibility, I was this in your life. I was helping you. And all of us need this in our life. 
And all of us say, God, help us to be that person that can lift someone's life and exhort them and encourage them and comfort them and help them with responsibility in the privileges that life gives to them. Paul shares some attributes of a father, and he mentions these things. Notice these uh, uh, attributes. He says down in verse 2 of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, he said, how boldly we speak the gospel. He was a man of courage. Did you know parenting takes a little courage? Amen. I mean, sometimes you just have to say no. Sometimes you just have to make the whole family scene unhappy. I remember I asked my dad to do something, and I said, and I begged, and he said no, and I begged my mom, and she said no, and I almost had mom convinced, and, and it was a no. And then I said, Dad, everybody's doing it. Oh, yeah. He said, not everybody. <laughs> not every. He said, you're not doing it. Mama's not doing it. I'm not doing it. Danny's not doing it. Becky's not doing it. Ronnie's not doing it. Not everybody. And I raised a little bit of fit, and I I showed out, and uh, uh, it didn't work, by the way. It didn't work at all. You know, sometimes in life, we just need some courage to say, this is wrong, and this is right, and this is how we're going to do things, and this is how it works. Courage takes honesty. Over in, in verses 3 and 4 of uh, Second Thessalon- 1 Thessalonians 2, he talks about not with deceit. He was honest. You know, in life, we, we need to understand that he wasn't being deceitful. He wasn't trying to sneak things. He was very honest. You know, there's something sweet about parenting that's honest. Listen, I know, and you know that I'm not perfect. And by the way, I know, and you know, you're not perfect. We understand that. We're all people. And what we say is, God, help us to be honest with our children and and help us to be honest with you and help us to to be as fathers, exhorting, comforting, and giving them responsibility honestly and with courage and being right. And then he talks about uh, humble, having humility. And, And it's very interesting. He said, we weren't doing this to be glorified of men, but we want to be honored of God. Did you know that there's something wonderful about knowing that you can't take care of it all yourself. You can't fix everything. One of my kids called me one day and was going on about some things, and I started telling them how to fix it. And they said, Dad, I don't want you to fix anything. I just want you to listen. That's pretty humbling, amen? I said, okay. And I listened, and uh, I listened, and, and it was good for me, and it was good for them. I can't tell you how many times I prayed and said, Lord, I just don't know what's going on here. These kids are driving me crazy. Where'd they learn this stuff from? Amen? And, 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 and sometimes I made mistakes. And I have made mistakes and probably going to make some more. You know, uh, I had a guy tell me last night, he said, to me, he said about my life, he says, I didn't have control yesterday. I don't have control today. And it's not looking too good for tomorrow either. That's what he told me. And I thought, I can, I'm write that down. That's going to become my new motto. Yeah, it's not us. It's God. The hope of glory working in you. And so he humbles us. And then he gives us another thought. He says, as a nurse was gentle with their children, the gentleness. Sometimes we we call people gentlemen and uh, the the gentle lady. And there's a gentleness that comes. You know, we can correct and be stern and sometimes harsh, but yet with a gentleness, yet with a kindness, yet with love in our lives. And Paul writes, and he says, you know, I have a fond affection toward you. I, I love you. I have not just shared with you the gospel, but 
We've given our own self. Notice what it says in verse 8 of chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. And being affectionately desirous of you, we're willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear to us. You know, there's nothing like being loved by someone. Someone that can encourage us, be honest with us, be humble enough to help us, and say, I want to comfort you and correct you and, and give you responsibility and impart my life into your life. Thank God for fathers. Thank God that Jesus laid down his life for us. Our children long for us. Children long more than just for your lip. They want your life. They don't want to hear about how much fun it's going to be. They want to enjoy life. They don't want to hear. They want to see. They want to experience. They want you to live your life with them. They want to be able to see you and hear you and be blessed by by you. Now, what are some of the marks? What do we do to impact a life of a child? We do it in a couple ways. One is this, is we do it through our revealed values. You know, kids, kids watch. They understand what's going on. And if all you're doing is talking about it, and you say, well, church is important, but you don't ever go. You talk about reading the Bible, you never read it. Kids, kids watch. I study the Bible. I read the Bible. Uh, because it's what I do, and, and I enjoy reading the Bible because of what it has done for me. But I remember saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible publicly in my house, in my living room, and I'm going to open it up on my couch and read the Bible. And all of my kids growing up, I remember they'd come over and say, Daddy, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm reading the Bible, the Bible. And, they'd, and I'd read the Bible to them, and they'd watch me read, and sometimes they'd sit beside me, and they'd get a magazine, and they thought they, they couldn't read. No pictures in it. But they saw it to be important. You know, your kids understand what is important by how you live your life. It's more than just what you say, it's what you do in your life. We reveal it by our examples that they can watch, by our teaching that they can heed, by a father that they can respect. And we live our values. We, we, we impact their life through our leadership decisions. Did you know that we can make decisions that can impact not only our children, but our children's children? I understand that sometimes families have problems. I understand that even the best of parents can have kids that go wayward, and sometimes even the best of children have parents that go wayward. I understand that. But what I'm saying to us is that we understand that our decisions are important. Where we live and what we do and how we entertain ourselves and, and what we allow and what we don't allow. And we say, God, help us in our life. And God, guide me and direct me in my decisions in life. You know, it's revealed in our personalities. It's revealed in how we have priorities. It's revealed in our humor. You know, my kids growing up, I would always tell them corny jokes and all the time they said, Dad, that's not funny. And whenever they had friends over, I would always have these corny jokes and they, Dad, please, don't, no corny jokes. Well, the other day, I can't believe it. The other day, my, my oldest grandson came up to me and he said, Poppy, Poppy. He said, I said, what's up, Dalton? He says, what happens when ducks fly upside down? I looked at my son. Listen, I've been using that joke for 
30 years. I looked at my son and he goes, somebody taught this kid that. And I said, what happens when ducks fly upside down? He said, they quack up. Oh, did my heart good. Did you know that the older your kids get, the funnier your jokes are? Oh, I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. And then, then we got into duck joke category for a while, and my son just thinking, oh, no. And, and the little guy thought it was funny. And, you know, we reveal in our decisions, living for God and serving God and praying and, and, and spending time together in our lives, and we reveal it in our authentic influence. You know, not, not who you are portraying yourself to be, not the false face of what you're pretending to be, not trying to fool your kids and thinking that you're something. Now, we might fool each other, but we're not going to fool them. They live with us each and every day. It's been coined by many people, and it was said this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And one of the great thoughts in my life has been, for those that know me the closest, that are the nearest and dearest to me, to respect me the most. Why? Because they live where I'm at. And we need to say, God, help me to be authentic. Help me to study and pray and care because, God, you're working in my life and you have a way of having power in my life. Paul says, as a father, as a father. You know, Paul was an interesting man. He had some conflict with people. He wasn't always perfect, even himself. It's amazing how the Bible shows how real we are. But he was a spiritual person. He was a saved man, a believer. And his life was a life that would have authority. His life was a life that they could look at. And he says, as a father, as a father, I exhort you and comfort you. And as a father, I, I give you responsibility. I've been honest and humble. And he goes through that entire life. He was someone that they could see and touch that could make a difference in their life. Edward Guest had a poem called, We See. I changed one word from preachers to fathers because today is Father's Day. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes of better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. The best of all the fathers are the men who live their creeds. For to see a good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I understand you and the high advice you give, but there is no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. On this Father's Day, the greatest gift that you could give your children would be for them to know that you're walking with God. And someday when you breathe your last breath, you'll be in heaven. On this Father's Day, the greatest gift you could give your mom and dad as a son or daughter is when you breathe your last breath, they will know that you're with the Lord. This isn't a game. This is real. I was sitting in an old Ford pickup truck with my dad. We had been cutting trees. We had taken a break for lunch. We're sitting in a parking lot outside of a drugstore. 
And a man walked up on my dad's side of the pickup truck and, and gave him a gospel track and said to my dad, I read this, this will tell you how you can go to heaven when you die. My dad said thank you and took it and tossed it up on the dash of the truck. It lodged itself between the mirror and the dashboard, never opened it. And the man walked away. And my dad said to me as he was eating a sandwich, I want to go to heaven more than anything. That was it. Not another word, not another peep. I, we didn't go to church. We went back and cut trees for the rest of the day and nothing, nothing, nothing for years. One day I was invited to church, came to church, sat down in a section where I thought we're sinners set, you know. And the preacher preached the gospel and I asked Christ to be my savior. I was saved. I went home that day to my house. I had my own apartment. I went to my mom and dad's house. I walked in the, the back door. We had a big farmhouse, a big circle driveway, four-story white farmhouse. Opened that squeaky screen door and walked in and my dad was sitting on the floor doing some things, smoking a, 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 a camel cigarette and drinking a bottle of Blatt's beer. And I said to dad, dad, guess what happened today? He said, what happened today? I said, you're not going to believe. He said, tell me. I said, dad, today I got saved. He took that cigarette and put that cigarette right out. He said, what? I said, dad, I'm going to heaven when I die. My mom ran in the other room. She wasn't real happy about what I was saying. You have to understand, we weren't church kids. This is brand new. Put them in shock. I said, Dad, I heard you say, now this has been years and years and years, never forgot it. You said you wanted to go to heaven, go to heaven more than anything in the world. I know how to go. He just brushed me off. Don't want to hear about it. Months and 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 months went by. One day, I guess I badgered him, shamed him into it. He said, I'll go to church with you. Me and mom will go. And so I got him to church, set him right in that section where I trusted Christ. You know, that's where they put sinners at. <laughs> I got the first seat. I made the people say, so you got to scoot, 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 scoot. I scoot him down. They said, I don't care where he's scoot. I'm not going to get blocked in again. I had that happen before. And I sat on the end and got my dad and my mom. The preacher preached. You know, it's fun when you go to church. You don't realize you got to. I didn't know that you had to get there early to get a seat in the back, you know. I didn't know you could just get up and walk out any time. I thought you had to stay there to the bitter end, you know. I didn't know all that stuff until I started preaching. <clears throat> you can just get up and leave anything like that. Oh, you, 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 listen, you, won't, you wouldn't believe what we see from up here. You would be amazed. You ought to thank God we're, we're be well behaved. I mean, you, you, you just wouldn't believe it. Anyhow, I'll go back. So the preacher had the invitation, and uh, kind of like I'm going to do it in a little while. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, would you like to get saved today? So you can go to heaven someday when you die? He looked at me, and I stepped out in the aisle. And I said, you, you can do it today, Dad, if you'd like. He stepped out in the aisle. And he stood there, and then he turned around and said, well, <laughs> Bing, he's gone. He ain't going to do this. And he went back over, and he grabbed my mom, and he, my mom had her head 
and eyes closed. He grabbed her arm and yanked her out, and they both walked forward. That old little church, they prayed right in the front, in front of everybody. And that very day, they were baptized. Can you imagine? That very, they both were baptized. Oh, listen, my dad's in heaven. I'm glad he is. You know, you, you live your life here in this place, and you say, God, I want you to help me. Thank God for those that come along that may not be your real dad that take that role of encouraging and, and comforting and giving responsibility. But maybe you're here today and, and your need is Christ. What a great gift to give to your family. To say, yes, I have trusted Christ. What a great gift maybe as a son or daughter to say, in reality, not just to make them happy. I'm not talking about just playing the game. But say, you know, my life has been changed. Maybe as a, a dad taking that family where you've not taken them before and say, I'm going to pray with my kids and I'm going to read the Bible with them and, and I'm going to spend some time. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a great theologian just to put your arm around them and love them and pray with them and help them and let God have his way in each and every life, even here today. In a few minutes, I'm going to, give an opportunity. I'm going to have Dean come to the keyboard and play a song. Maybe today, maybe for the first time in a family's life, you'll slip out to an old-fashioned altar and, and pray for your dad, pray for your family, pray for your kids, pray for wisdom in your life as you raise up those little children, pray for God's strength to help you to be that in someone's life because maybe your kids are grown. Maybe today you'll trust Christ as your Savior. I don't know what the needs are, but God can meet your every need. Let's stand together for a minute. Let's stand to our feet just for a moment. Our heads are bowed and eyes closed. And let me just ask you where you're at today. You sure you're going to heaven when you die? Does your family know it? Listen, we're going to take a little time of prayer. This is a safe place. In fact, the church is called the house of prayer. Maybe today, some of you families would slip out to a near aisle down and just come to an old-fashioned altar, put your arms around each other, thank God for each other, and pray for God's blessing and power in your life. I don't want you to wait. In fact, as the piano is playing now, the keyboard's playing, I want you to slip out right where you're at. Daddy, won't you lead the way and grab them and say, come on, we're going to pray. You come on to this old-fashioned altar. I know it's unique, but it would be wonderful. If you're here today and not sure if you died, you'd go to heaven, we'd like to share with you how you can go to heaven when you die. We'd love to talk with you. Let God have his way in your life today. Father, today take these next number of minutes that we have on this earth during this time. God, help us as Paul says, as a father, I have exhorted, I have comforted, I have given you responsibility. I have given you, imparted my soul because you were dear to us. God, do a work in somebody's life today, man and woman, young and old, male and female. God, help us to love you and serve you. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. As we sing just a couple stanzas of God so loved the world, why don't you make your way to an old-fashioned altar? If you'd like to know Christ as Savior, we have people would love to talk with you and pray with you here. You come on as we sing together. For God so loved the world Yes, He does. 